Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. Okay, I'd like to gather, have a conversation, shape the practice, give you some context and color about why I'm teaching what I'm teaching, and ideally you can make it relevant to your own life. Uh, that's the attempt. So I'll say a number of things, maybe ask you a few questions, we'll see how it goes, and then we'll move into practice. What's waiting for you is pancakes. It's pancake day today, a piece of treat. <laughs> so that's like the treat at the end of the path or something like that. <laughs> pancake day, a piece of treat. So uh, the focus of the practice this morning is on the quadriceps. And you may ask yourself, well, why is that? What's, what's up with the quadriceps? It's big muscles on the front of your legs. Like in most places in our body, we hold certain things and experiences. And um, I'm quite fascinated about uh, the human experience and the body, of course, and how we filter billions of experiences through this thing and how some of these experiences get caught up in the body. And you could say yoga is one way to uh, a practice in which to clear the various different things that get stuck in our filter. That's one way of looking at it. And so up on the board are some distinctions, and I'll walk you through these distinctions. So the quadriceps, the left quadricep, holds frustration and the fear of forward movement with feelings, those damn feelings, those damn feelings. I don't want to move forward with these feelings, and I'm frustrated about it. And some of these feelings come out of the past. And if we're holding frustration from the past, we are <laughs> carrying the past with us. And that's the tendency that we do these things. We carry the past with us, it influences the present, and we recreate the various different things we've already lived, which is horrifying in so many different ways. <laughs> and perhaps you've noticed that in your life. You repeat certain patterns. It's like, how did this happen again? I'm in a new town, a new job, a new relationship, and here it is, me, and this weird experience again. And so that's how it can go. On the right side, right quadriceps, we hold impatience. You ever become impatient? Maybe you are right now. Who knows? Who knows? And the fear of forward movement with new ideas. New ideas. No new ideas, no new experiences. And so that's how we can sabotage our future. No new ideas. Keep what you got. Grip onto it, hold onto it, attach to it, and don't change. Force everybody else to change. You're better off by staying who you are. That can be the attitude. And so we can hold frustration and impatience in our quadriceps. And fear, ultimately, of feeling and new ideas, which is destabilizing. We destabilize our posture. And so we're weakened, not ideal. And if we're weakened somewhere in our structure, we're not standing up straight. And so we can be leaned over, out of balance, and it just doesn't have to be much, it could be slightly, to skew our view. And so that's, which, uh, that's what I'd like to speak about today, is um, the ways in which we skew <laughs> how we see certain things. Yesterday I taught a class on complaints. It's kind of a weird thing, right? It's like, hmm, these complaints. And I laid out some distinctions about complaints, and this is a, a build-off of yesterday speaking about complaints, and it's about attention-seeking and how we seek attention. And one way we do that is through complaining. We can seek attention. It's kind of a strange thing. 
but we can complain to get attention. And again, the idea is to make this relevant, you know, how you do that, and we're masters at it. From the subtle to the gross, ways in which we seek attention. A twinkle of the eyes, I don't know, the clothes in which you wear, how you move in the world, what you say, what you don't say, all of these things we can use as ways to draw attention from people. And so attention seeking, any even bad attention is better than no attention. We are attention hungry, that is for sure. We want attention. See me this way, see me that way, I'm a good person, I do good things, I'm lovable, keep me around, care for me, see how sweet I am. <laughs> you know, all what we're looking for from other people. And the tendency is we're seeking something we don't give ourselves from other people. It's fascinating when you start breaking this down. I want something you have that I won't give myself. And it's like, hmm, I wonder what that is. Well, it could be like nurturing, self-respect, love, safety. I don't know, a whole host of different things that we tend not to give ourselves that we look to pull from other people. And sometimes, and oftentimes, and perhaps even most times, that's why we're collecting people around us. Give me something, give me something, give me something. We amplify the crisis. <laughs> this is the crisis, <laughs> this thing, <laughs> often in crisis. I'm in crisis. I need something, quickly. We can mask it in responsibility so I get what I want. And perhaps you can see this. Have you ever complained so much that somebody just finally gave in and gave you something that you wanted? I don't know, maybe it was a compliment, a hug, I don't know, a candy bar, I don't know, whatever. You ever done that? I could imagine you have. And so we can mask these things. And the delivery system is through complaints. I want something you have, and best you give it up as quickly as possible, or I'm just going to continuously torture you until you give it up. It's deceptive, there's avoidance attached to it, and it creates absolute confusion. So we're not being straight, we're not being honest, truthful. And so that's the manipulation through complaining that we can create, and it creates absolute confusion. And sometimes we don't notice that as the complainer. But if you ever spent time with a complainer, <laughs> it can be very confusing. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It's like, why do you have so much attention on this thing? It's not that big of a deal. But it's a big deal because there's something that's supporting the structure, the system, the, the mechanism. I'd rather be paid attention to and hated versus ignored. That's a hell of a principle to consider. And it speaks to loneliness and the concern and fear and worry we have about loneliness. I will pick at you until I get attention because I'm feeling ignored and I can't stand that. Being ignored represents something to me and I refuse to be ignored and so I'm gonna pester you until you give me attention. And in that, aha, I get what I want. I'm not lonely. Somebody's at least paying attention to me. And it's like, huh, have I done that in my past? <laughs> if you look at your past, it's like, the honest answer is yes. And what you get to explore is how often you've done that and perhaps how often you're doing it now how you pester people to give you something. So it's detrimental, obviously, to relationship. And it creates this frustration, <laughs> impatience, concern, fear, worry, doubt, so on and so forth, which is destabilizing. 
destabilizing to being itself, but also destabilizing to relationships. It's very easy to deconstruct a relationship through complaints and being so needy and pathetic that we're constantly extracting things from people and not giving much back. And sometimes that takes a week, sometimes it takes a few months, sometimes it takes a lifetime. <laughs> and it's an unpleasant experience to be in, absolutely. I'll attempt to give you a brief example of how this has shown up and still shows up for me in various different ways. And uh, it's the complaint I have that people aren't safe. There's a complaint that I have that people aren't safe. You know, and say, look at them, looking at me with such contempt and disgust. They lie about me. They steal from me. They attempt to hurt me. That's a complaint I have. And it's a complaint I've had for a long time. And justified in so many ways because I have so much proof that that's true. <laughs> and I don't have to look very far to see how true that is in my life. And I can see how I've played that out with men, and I can see how I've played it out with women. The concern I've had with men is that they can harm me physically. And that was of concern for me. And so I didn't want to be seen as weak. That was like impossible. Nope, that ain't going to happen. And so how I created uh, this experience in a responsible way, I'd take care of myself, make sure that I was, um, you know, I could stand up straight and confront things and take care of my physical self and, you know, be strong and flexible and these kinds of things. Because when shit hit the fan, <laughs> I could take care of myself. The irresponsible ways in which I took on relationships with men was I would look to intimidate, threaten, and use violence if needed to make sure that uh, I was never seen as weak. And so that's how I was irresponsible. And I leveraged that irresponsibility for a long time in my life. I was extraordinarily violent and um, would never let somebody get the best of me. And that cost me a lot in a whole host of different ways, for obvious reasons. And it left me skewed in various different ways. That men are a threat. I need to be on guard. Pay attention. I got a lot of strengths out of that, but it also was a weakened position because I was never feeling safe. And the way I was attempting to feel safe is only if I was in control and in this place um, and posture of power you know, through threats and intimidation, and these kinds of things. That's what this false sense of safety gave me. But I was never safe. <laughs> Didn't give me access to that. With women, it was like the opposite. I'd play out this role of being like timid and like quiet and like harmless. <laughs> it was very strange. And it was like the polar opposite. And so if I play out being quiet and, mm, you know, like timid, like, there's no way I could possibly harm you and just keep me around. <laughs> See, I'm harmless. Keep me around. I'll agree and, I don't know, bat my eyes or whatever's needed in these moments to keep me around. Because what I couldn't tolerate was feeling rejected. And that's how I saw women, was they could harm me emotionally. 
And so I'd rather be accepted in some ways versus be rejected in all ways. And so in the responsible ways, I learned how to listen and pay attention and move in various different ways. In the irresponsible ways in which I related to women, I just gave up myself. Gave up my opinions, gave up my masculinity, you could say. I gave up a lot as a consequence of attempting to feel safe with women. And I never felt safe with women. <laughs> it's very strange. And how that eroded my character over a span of time. Playing that posture out, being harmless, not having opinion, and so on and so forth. And it's like pathetic. It's like who would respect that? It's like nobody, because I didn't even respect myself in that state. And so what I was attempting to do was constantly extract safety from people. And I would do it in a whole host of different ways. And I would control and manipulate and do whatever I needed to do to attempt to feel safe in the world based on this complaint. You're not safe, you need safety. And you can't give it to yourself. And so this protective state was very challenging <laughs> to live in and to move in. And it was frickin' exhausting. Because like, what's out in the world? It's all these damn people. <laughs> all these damn people. Wherever I went, you damn people, out to get me. <laughs> and so it was only until I started to realize that it's like, wow, I am constantly giving myself up. And this is not good for you. And it's like, okay, how do I start building myself up? How do I start putting myself together to give the thing that I need the most, which is a sense of security and safety? that I wasn't giving myself. I refused to give that to myself because I didn't have the practice to do such a thing. And that's what I appreciate about yoga and the practice of yoga. It's about building a posture. <laughs> it's like if you look at your life, you're not giving yourself something right now in your life. That is absolutely true. Whatever that is, and you're looking to get it from other people. It's like, what is it? And if you're able to use yoga and these practices as a way to put yourself together to build up this posture so you can give yourself exactly what you need, it's a brilliant practice to take on. It's like no other practice. It's phenomenal that way. And how much better off you'll be as a consequence of that practice. Instead of give me what I need, give me what I need, and this neediness that we can have where we seek attention from other people. And so the opposite of all this is contributing to your being in some ways. You the being, the sweet being that you are, as beautiful being. Confront all things about you that you've deemed morally unacceptable and failed to develop. Hot damn, that is stiff. <laughs> but there's parts of you that you've deemed morally unacceptable that you attempt to cover up. That we all do in our own way. And as we cover these things up, we smother ourselves and we refuse to develop ourselves. And so we're constantly in this weakened state The idea is to wrestle with your fear of rejection, the feeling of inadequacy, and the prospect of loneliness. <laughs> that is like nauseating on every level. But to confront your inadequacies and your head to toe in them, as we are. It's so fascinating about being a human being, we consistently present like we got our shit together, when we don't at times. I'm not saying you don't at times, but a lot of the times we don't. 
and we refuse to talk about those kinds of things. And so we don't really, really wrestle with ourselves. We need to wrestle with ourselves every once in a while. We kick ourselves in the own arse every once in a while to pick up something that is inadequate about us, which doesn't mean that we're flawed. I mean, we are, yes, but it's like, you know, it's like we can do something about it is what I'm getting at. It doesn't have to continuously define us and have this excuse and complaint that we're weak and don't have our shit together and not this and not that. In doing so, the struggle will fortify you, which is so important and critical and key. And that's what this practice is about. It's about fortifying you, which has nothing to do with protection. Most of my life was about protecting myself. But as I protected, I weakened myself. <laughs> it wasn't helpful. So I just constantly fell apart, fell apart, fell apart. And so the fortifica fortification is all about strengthening yourself. And that's what's so brilliant about being on your mat. Every posture gives that opportunity to strengthen. And I really like this. It's the production of reparative attention. <laughs> it's like, how are you repairing yourself? It's reparative attention. If we can repair ourselves, we can repair our relationships. And there needs to be that level of attention on our relationships. Our relationships need to be repaired constantly and consistently because they fall apart. And then they fall apart. Conversation doesn't go well. It just fell apart. How do I put it back together? I just fell apart. How do I put this back together? My partner just fell apart. How do I support them putting themselves back together? It's like constant. And sometimes we lose that attention. How do we repair things, make things better? And complaints will never make things better. They're very destructive, as well as our willingness to seek attention and pull and pull and constantly pull and the self-centered experience that we're in. And so it would be very easy for you to be on your mat and complain <laughs> this morning. Stupid pose. I hate this pose. When is it going to be over? Should be more restorative. Should be quicker. Where's my handstands? I don't know. Whatever. Where's my pancakes? <laughs> and be easy to dump your attention outside of you, as we do that I'm supposed to give you something, I'm supposed to entertain you, I don't know, whatever. That's not the idea here. It's about getting a hold of yourself and giving yourself exactly what you know you need, and you need something more than anything else. And if you set your sights on that, wouldn't it be amazing? If you're able to create that, even for a flash. If you get there once, you can get back there again. And that's the point. Get there once, then replicate. And get back there twice, and then three times, and then all of a sudden you are that. You're fortified. So I have a question for you, just to make this real. How do you seek attention? How do you seek attention? What are you seeking from other people? It's another question. What are you seeking from others? What are you looking to pull from people? As I mentioned for me, it was safety. What is it for you? What are you looking to extract from other people? Hmm, that's such a vulnerable question on a Sunday morning. Very good. Thank you for that. Belonging. Yeah, great. Validation. Excellent. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Respect. Respect. Thank you. Absolutely. Confirmation. Yeah. 
Well said. Thank you. Yeah. Love. Love. Yeah. Mm, give me some love. Yeah. Juicy. <laughs> Recognition. Recognition. Yeah, great. All amazing. And so you want to understand what you were looking for, what you're seeking for. What you'll start to discover about you is how long-standing this has been and how you've shaped yourself around this need and how it's defined you in a whole host of different ways and moves you in the world. It's fascinating. And why you do what you do. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's you know, a terrible thing to keep doing these things, but to pay attention why you do what you do and what are you looking to get out of them. We're not random. We are not random. <laughs> so we can start to unpack some of these things. It'll give you information, which is important. Information. So let this be an informative practice. That's the idea. You ready for that? A practice to the quadriceps. Oh my goodness. What a practice it will be. You ready, Chris? <laughs> okay. Thanks for your listening, participation. <laughs> we'll see you on the mat, y'all. We'll see you then.